Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mark Welcome back to Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. It's episode 137, A Stars Are Born. <laughs> Today, and I'm not just talking about our guest. Hello, Joe. What do you know? Uh, it's the annual uh, Oscars contemplation episode, and we could not proceed without... Not just my co-host, Mark Blankenship, but our fine-feathered guest, Joe Reed. Hello, Joe. Hello. Very happy to be back. So today we are... Wait, I want to say hello, too. Hi, I'm here, too. Hi, <laughs> a star is born on here. You could Hi, just Bart. wait for me to throw it to you. Or you could, <laughs> no, or you could do no, this. No, I can't wait. <laughs> or we could do this. Does Teddy Ruxpin have anything to add? <laughs> no, what, what I think is that they should have nominated 8th grade. Oh, <laughs> Thank you, Teddy. <laughs> Thank you for attending our Teddy talk. Oh, this is, <laughs> I've got things to say. This is off to a rocky start. Talk all day. But we're not here to talk about Rocky. We're actually here to um, cross compare two songs from two uh, different but very similar movies. Mark, tell us more. Yes. So there have been in the annals of history three songs from various iterations of A Star is Born that were nominated for an Oscar. However, with all deference and love to Judy Garland, we will not be discussing The Man That Got Away. We will, however, be discussing the two songs that reached the top ten of the Billboard Hot 100 and seem almost certain to both win the Oscar, although the second one has not yet happened. That's right. We are talking about Evergreen from the Barbra Streisand iteration of A Star is Born, and Shallow from the Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper iteration of A Star is Born. These two songs seem twinned in so many ways, not yes. least because of their chart and award histories, but also because Barbra Streisand and Lady Gaga both hold a similar, I would argue, place in the pop cultural imagination. They are trailblazing women with uh, striking unusual looks, striking unusual voices, and striking commanding personalities who have demonstrated a facility across multiple types of culture and have managed to dominate our thoughts and our ears for a long, long time. I also feel that they both have fairly or unfairly been pegged in the role of the starlet who sells out or can't be contained or can't be controlled. They've both been chewed up by the machine that the story of A Star is Born seeks to uh, expose, but then they've also both managed to survive it and rise above it. And also, it just seems fun to talk about two songs from two versions of the same basic story that are going to win Oscars. Again, it hasn't happened yet for the Lady Gaga song, but let's be honest. It's happening. We're, we're moments away from it, ha from it happening. Yeah. So, uh, again... It couldn't be done without Sarah and Joe. I'm so glad that we're all here talking about it. But before we get started on this conversation, I do want to ask, are you still, a year later, singing Mighty River to yourselves? <laughs> I wasn't. Mighty River. <laughs> maybe Mighty every other River. day. Maybe not every day. God damn it. Why'd you do that? <laughs> a peanut butter on my sandwich. <laughs> God, that's only a year ago. That seems so incredibly long ago. It really does. Guys, I know. Back when it was Mary J. Blige who received acting and songwriting nominations in the same year. Yeah. Not Lady Gaga. Well, I feel like for the purposes of this discussion, let's take a let's start with the older of our two hits. Yeah. Uh, let's take a listen to a clip from evergreen love th love theme from a star is born a number one oscar-winning song for barbara streisand love soft as an easy chair love as the morning air One love that is shared by two 
can't stop picturing um, the Snatch Game version of Purpose. Manila Luzon. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. So I'm interested to know, y'all, what was your history with slash awareness of this particular song? Um, since I'm the old lady, I'll go first. Uh, since I actually like have sense memory of this from when it was popular. Um, that Gordon Lightfoot opener is really something. And then it just, I don't know, like it's both very Barbara and a big nothing burger for me. And here's why. Um, she sounds like she's on autopilot. Basically, it sounds like a Barbara bot was programmed to sing and like put, um, put a little mustard here and do a little melisma there. And maybe it's just that we take her talent for granted at this point, but this did not seem like she was working very hard. Um, it just, it felt like product, like Barbara product. Um, and it's very dated. It's very of its time. Um, I mean, she's in good voice. She sounds great, but this is the um, aural equivalent of purchasing a douche. <laughs> like this is Massengill, and that's not her fault. Like it, but yeah. it just is very like. What is the color that you think of when you listen to this? Lavender. Yeah, and pale pink yeah. and you know, ribbons it- blowing in the wind while someone is speaking euphemistically about vaginal freshness. Again, it's it's not Barbara's fault, but this is like in the context of her version of A Star is Born that like um, this, uh, like that Chris Christopherson's character would be able to make anything happen for this style of music is just weird to me. Yeah. And it's also weird to me that this was the, this was even the nominee. Was there another nominee from this movie for best song or it was just this one no this was it was just this one yeah i mean I but the song she does at the end of the movie seems like a much more interesting song right and i don't yes. i know that was some of the stuff that they had like restored some footage of that later on so i don't know what was around in the theatrical version of it yeah i don't back either then. but yeah it's but, just like lyrically orally i feel like i was shopping in the feminine hygiene aisle of Dwayne reed and then an entire <laughs> fern bar landed on me i do want to say that when you asked which color we thought of i thought puce which is not a <laughs> color i ever think about right but i think is if I'm remembering correctly from Santa Claus the movie, it's a little bit it's it's like purple but a shade less lavender and a bit more pink. So I think that still fits That's correctly in this. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah, Evergreen is a song that I was not one of the first Barbara Streisand songs I was made aware of. I was I feel like you hear of like the way we were and even like st- like Don't Rain on My Parade and and some of the stuff People. From the, yes, people. Right, exactly. Um and Evergreen sort of, I found out about, I think I found out about it from like, oh, that she won an Oscar for, she was actually the first, I believe the record is she was the first composer, a female uh, composer of a song to win an Oscar. There had been female lyricists because the song award goes to composer and lyricist together. And what uh, the lyricist, uh, female lyricist who had won previous to her was Mark Marilyn Bergman of uh our, of course. Our songwriting team, Alan and Marilyn Bergman, who, among others, she had won, I think, twice, but one of them was for The Way We Were, which was three years before this? Three years before this. Marvin Hamlish and then Pictures. Alan and Marilyn Bergman won for that. Yeah. And like, the I feel like. Motherfucking Bergmans, <laughs> yeah. as Joe and I have said before. We did a whole series on uh, best song nominees from the 80s, and the Bergmans came up a lot. Carol Bayer Sager came up a lot. Sure. Like, it was yes. a lot of those, like, classic. Um, classic songwriters of that era but i think oh, so basically this is the way it happened in the, basically the way it happened in the 80s is that there would be three songs that had been nominated that you would have heard of and then there would be two fillers and the fillers were always by the bergmans and or carol bayer sager it's quite true um the oscars do love to play their favorites but so I think if you look at other songs, they seem to have a little bit more character. Evergreen is a very pretty song, and it's very easy to listen to it. But it doesn't move for me. It doesn't go anywhere. And I think when you're opening metaphor, 
when your opening metaphor is a soft, easy chair, you're going to like, that's a sort of a drowsy way to start (laughs) and to not go anywhere with it. It's, it's, it's such a contrast to, and we'll get into shallow obviously soon enough, but like, it's such an easy contrast to that because shallow is all peaks and valleys, right? It moves if nothing else. Um, Evergreen. It's tough for me to tell. I listening to just the song, you can't quite tell where in the movie it would happen. I, watching the music video, it helps a little bit because they're recording yeah. together and whatever. But you don't know if this is like, is this the end credit song where she's looking back? Is this at the beginning of the relationship? Shallow, I think it's much easier. It feels much more like it's doing storytelling work within yes. the, the 2018. On a uh, bunch a of axes, I agree. But uh not to get ahead of ourselves. Um, yeah. yeah, this is a perfectly what, what, like well, competent song. It's not bad. It is just no, inert. You're exactly right. Well, it, if I may be a somewhat contrarian voice, I will agree that I forget this song immediately <laughs> after it's over. It is, it is in that class of songs that I have a very hard time calling back the melody at all. Um, I can never forget the line softer than an easy chair. Oh, that's the thing. That's the thing you remember from this for Mm. sure. But I cannot, even right now, we just listened to a clip of it and I'm not sure that I could tell you what the song, I couldn't repeat the melody back to you. No, I couldn't either because the way we were just barged in and. Right. Yes. Or people who need people. Like what? (laughs) But in the act of actually listening to the song, I am always in that moment quite happy to be listening to it. I think that her vocal on this song is so good to me, at least that yes. I always do. Now, Sarah, I, I take your point. I hear, I hear your argument that you feel that she's phoning it in and, and doing a bit of mustard by numbers, Yeah, <laughs> which would be a really great, which and even mustard by numbers is like, it's Barbara. It's not unpleasant. It's just, but inert. I just think that she, I do think that she is in fine, fine voice here. So, I'm not going to disagree that this song is uh, is inert and gossamer light in its <laughs> yes. in the way that it sticks to the brain. But compared to one of my all time least favorite number one songs of all time, which is Barbara Streisand's "A Woman in Love," oh, <laughs> this this is a sonic masterpiece <laughs> that should be put in a time capsule. And I think about the, uh, <laughs> I think about "A Woman in Love." And he, I think about all of the things that we're saying about this song that aren't quite great, and then you extrapolate that to the eighth power, yes. and then you get A Woman in Love, which is the most difficult, easy listening of all time. Yeah, yeah. It's so like the Mr. Stay I'm Puffed, gonna... Gone Rogue <laughs> version of yes. Summer's Eve. Totally. Oh, my God. I mean, honestly, A Woman in Love <laughs> is, is a, you think that it's a douche, but then you realize that the bottle is empty, so it's just like vaguely scented air. <laughs> And you're like, and you're like, your nose, you're like jerk back and you're like rubbing your nose a little bit. Like, what is it? I, I feel it stings a little. I don't know. So at least this is the full douche. Oh. I had a couple of pieces of trivia that I find very interesting about this. One, which the lyricist for the song is Paul Williams, who, among other songs, um, helped write We've Only Just Begun and Rainy Days and Mondays oh, sure. by the Carpenters. Okay. The Rainbow Connection, which was an Oscar-nominated song a couple of years after this from the Muppet movie, and the theme from The Love Boat. Oh, well, that is an earwig too. K- yeah, canny, canny listeners might realize that of late, Mark and Sarah talk about songs has really become Mark and Sarah talk about the songs of Paul Williams. <laughs> as as we did recently do an episode on We've Only Just Begun, and we recently talked about his compositions for Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Um, so a true yeah, like, underrated undersung hero of music, Paul Williams. So apparently Paul Williams and Yvonne Elliman should get together to record something so that Sarah and I can, <laughs> can be there in the studio reporting yes, live. Eve Paul Williams. I am here for it. <laughs> uh, some of the songs that a star is born beat that year at the Oscars. <laughs> Eve Paul Williams, Sarah, he, Hello there, everyone. My name is E. Paul Williman. I wear a monocle that's got my own initial carved in it so I can always see my own name. And it collapses <laughs> out into a, a disco ball. <laughs> yes, I'd like you to write this in your little white book. <laughs> you do know how to love me. Uh, um, I recently got in a slap fight with Soikis Paynute. Oh, my God. 
E Paul Willeman at your service. Anyway, yes, Joe, you were you were you were about to correctly bring up the batshit crazy list of other songs. It's wild from this year. One of them is fully a song that doesn't exist, which is from a movie that doesn't exist called Half a House. That from looking it up was only released so that it could get this song called A World That Never Was a nomination and I'm like oh then this must have been like an incredibly successful song if they like just released this movie just to get a nomination for it no it's not it's <laughs> a fully anonymous song I listened to it not half an hour ago and I don't remember what it sounds like it was not sung by anybody all that interesting at least the song that was nominated from the Pink Panther Strikes Again which is called Come to Me at least that was performed by Tom Jones I can at least be like oh okay well then mm-hmm. you know it's Tom Jones people liked that but the other two nominees are the really interesting ones. One of which is Gonna Fly Now from Rocky, mm-hmm. which is huge. Like, you listen to that, it's, you know, in your head all day. Yeah. Like, that is, that sounds like Rocky. Rocky, of course, was the surprise Best Picture winner that year. Huge, like, rags to riches, Sylvester Stallone Wasn't story, all of that. some story about how they actually did, it actually didn't have lyrics, and they were like, we'd like to submit this as Best Song, too, so put some words on it? Oh, that's a great idea. Because, yeah, because Bill Conti did the music. So that's like classic, like movie scoring. Double dipping. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if yeah. that's true. I just feel like I heard that somewhere. Anyway, continue. And then the fifth. Well, you know, I. Oh, even, no, but go the ahead. Number one, the, number, the number one version of Gonna Fly Now that topped the Hot 100 is credited as an instrumental. So I think you might be right, Sarah, that. Uh, because the single version of the song was had no lyrics, but they clearly were like, but. Can y'all just say gonna fly now like six times in a row? Great. That's amazing. <laughs> and then the fifth nominee, which is one of my favorite best song nominees of all time, is Ava Satani from The Omen, <laughs> which is literally just like the the like the song that they play in The Omen whenever like Damien's about to kill somebody or whatever. And it's again, this is another one that's it's mostly score. It's mostly Jerry Goldsmith with his creepy score, but it did have these like Latin lyrics about like, you know, incantations of Satan or whatever. And all I can think of is an early South Park episode that had to do with someone was like evil or whatever. It was like a Halloween episode. And I remember whenever somebody, that this, somebody came on the screen that was like whatever the bad guy was. And it would do this like, Octus Dominus. And it was like just highly comedic. And they would finally just start being doing like cheesy poof. La, da, da. And just, <laughs> um but, like, these are the kind of Oscar nominations that, like, you almost are like, oh, if only, if only that could have been nominated. And it was this time around, which is. Well, and there's a whole, I mean, there's like a month's worth of episodes um, surrounding the Vangelis year yeah. at the Oscars. <laughs> yes. Look, that's the first LP yes. I ever bought. And I'm, you know, going to, I'm going to. I'm a Stan jealous, I guess. I mean, it's it's so terrible. It's like, doesn't this take place in like 1918? What are you guys doing? But I mean, what? And those didn't have any words except for one that was like uh, this really creepy. um, It was like four violas having a migraine. And then it like (laughs) dissolved into this um, hymn. That's like the state hymn of the Anglican church. And it's like, I don't. That's Isn't this amazing. a movie about running? Why are why are you like this? I have now seen this so movie three Latin. times, um, and I keep forgetting that I've seen it. I'm like, we should watch that. It was nominated for so many things, and Dan's like, we watched it a year ago. <laughs> like, oh, that. But honestly, that's my memory of watching it too. I remember going to the blockbuster, watching the tape, and when it was over, almost being like, did the, anything just happen? Did I like? Was I comatose for two hours? Yeah, like, I do there were some guys like, in singlets staring, totally not romantically at each other, and then there were synthesizers, <laughs> and then I think someone. And died. then the and war were, happened. Something yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And there was some running on a beach, but maybe I only know that because right. I've seen the video for the theme song sure. by Vangelis. So and much. then, like somehow in your head, Shirley MacLaine and Jack Nicholson come driving down that same beach from the end of the <laughs> yeah, endearment. And, exactly. like, and then all the people from Longtime Companion like magically reappear. <laughs> yeah, and Best then all ever. of the boys on the side. Then the car with boys. Uh, um, no, it's the one where Drew Barrymore is standing up in the car, and Chris. Um, oh, Mad Love, Chris yes. O'Donnell. Mad Love, like they're driving down the road, and she's like got her the little 
thing, her her kerchief flapping in the wind. Like, that's a beach, y'all. And watching from their Adirondack chairs over on the side are Barbara Hershey and Bette Midler from the end of Beaches. (laughs) (laughs) And little Mayim Bialik is doing a cartwheel. Yeah, somehow at the same time, their child version. And um, someone, who's the kid from the piano, is also doing cartwheels. Oh, you're right, Anna Paquin. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oscar Beach. Just washed ashore. And then, it's a very busy beach. And then look look over there on the far distance. Why it's it's Will Smith from Independence Day <laughs> dragging an alien corpse down while in a, in a they're storming the him. beach at Normandy and getting right. bombs right. during Dunkirk. <laughs> yeah. It's a busy day. It was a very busy yeah, day. Yeah, this beach is there's a lot. Oh. Look out for unexploded organs, Sat- people. <laughs> Ave Satani, yeah. indeed. Uh, and if you'll allow one more bit of very awardsy trivia that I'll throw in, because this is super crazy to me, is that this uh, Evergreen won in 70, uh, the 76 Oscar. The 77 Oscar was won by uh, the the guy who wrote You Light Up My Life, the Debbie Boone song. Okay. Yes, um, uh, who ended up also writing one of the worst Broadway musicals of all time. That featured an early Broadway performance by Jonathan Groff. No shit. What was the in, musical? It was called In My Life. And the guy, the composer's name is Joe Brooks. Yes. And uh, um, he was a, he was, if, if he had not um, killed himself, he would have been, he, he killed himself because there was a series of lawsuits racing ooh. toward him. But he was known in the theater industry but during the In My Lifetime, because this is, I was working in it at the time. He was known as an insane, like, Chester the Molester type. Oh, gosh. He was a a disaster. Wow. Well, so that guy. Um, And then so those two songs then, which won consecutive Oscars, both tied for the Grammy for Best New Artist. Or not uh, Best New Artist. Yeah. Best best Song of the Year in 1978. So, like, that's also, like, testament to how much the Grammys feel like, you know, they come so late in the game, right? But that's, like, it's wild to me that, like, Oscar winners from two consecutive years tied for song of the year, beating among other songs like Hotel California, um, Don't Make My Brown Eyes Blue by Crystal Gale, which is Aww. like, that'll take you back. Yeah. And a song by Marvin Hamlish and Carol Bayer Sager, speaking of which, um, Nobody Does It Better oh, from yes. Spy Who Loved Me, which oh, was another this song. best original song nominee. Yes, we, we ranked that song in our Bond episode many moons ago. I remember yeah. that. So really, truly, it all comes together, and all moons align under Marvin Hamlish somehow. It's true. Well, and we're re- we're recording this on Groundhog Day, two thousand nineteen, yeah. which I guess means that there's a loop of "I Got You, Babe" playing in the background. So <laughs> yes. But uh, by the time that this episode airs, it's very possible that "Shallow" will have also won the Grammy for Song of the Year. I was going to say nominated. that is also it's also a nominee. Although now they've got eight bajillion nominees for every Grammy category, it's also confusing. But I'm, I'm making a prediction that will soon be a prediction from the past, uh, but I think that Gra- I think that Shallow is going to win either so? record or song of the year, and possibly both. Honestly, I hope so. It sometimes feels these days that like the momentum for A Star Is Born in general has sapped. Certainly, Bradley Cooper not getting the best director nomination at the Oscars feels that way. Um, but I, I do hope there's still momentum for. I think it's definitely going to win the Oscar. I walked the man out of that screening, pissed himself on stage, and then collapsed. <laughs> Give him yeah, a what break. more do you want? He doesn't have to what win. What more do you want? He turned his skin into leather, into hard-worn leather for this movie. Like, but while I do think that the 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 heat is cooling on the movie, the heat on her is high. That is because true. She's got those the two different Vegas residencies that she's doing, and yeah, I feel like um, I feel like that I feel like that she and also she's coming out oh punching God, against guys. R. Kelly too, which. Yes. That's right. Finally. On, yeah. And this is getting deep into the awards weeds, but it's where I That's live. That's where I live. <laughs> yes. The, the, the ticks from those weeds have been embedded in our <laughs> right. skin Dr. for Rex decades Binstone, now. I, presume. I have that Lyme disease. It'll never go away. Yeah. <laughs> um, Lady Gaga got nominated for Album of the Year for three consecutive years, including for the Fame Monster EP. She has been nominated for Grammys almost every year that she's been eligible in one category or another. There is, I think, a hunger to give her one of the big awards. And this is the moment yeah. that they can finally do that. She's never won album record or song of the year. And I think that this it's time. is going to be a, a time that no one is going to be able to resist. Yeah. Um, I also feel like it's worth pointing out uh, <laughs> as we perhaps now transition over to uh, our current 
more current song, I have made a quiz on the website Sporkle in which I ask you to name every Oscar-nominated actor who also has a number one hit on the Hot 100. And, of course, Barbara Streisand is there. Lady Gaga is there. And other people who you might not know, uh, but it's fun to think about, who have number one hits and Oscar nominations for acting. Of course, we've got the aforementioned Mary J. Blige, Cher, obviously, but Bobby Darren. Oh, sure. Not Jamie Foxx, though. (laughs) No, he does. Does he? He does. Ah. Yeah, because he was the featured vocalist on Kanye West's Gold Digger. Yes, that's right. Um, and then perhaps also surprisingly, let's not forget Mark Wahlberg. Mm. Wait, re- oh yeah, supporting Marky actor. Yeah, the- counts. Yeah, yeah, for Departed and Marky Mark and the Funky Munch. Anyway, <laughs> that said, let's let's race forward in time and take a listen to a clip from Shallow. I'm very interested after we hear it to hear Sarah's fresh hot take on this movie that she only recently watched. So here's a clip from Shallow. So that clip was super long, but there is no way that you can clip that song without the line "Ain't it hard being so hardcore" and the the wail from her soul. So I had to include them both. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> copyright attorneys, please lose our number. Um, <laughs> please have, have mercy. <laughs> please direct all copyright claims to uh, our lawyer E. Paul Ellis. <laughs> <laughs> um. She, like, I did not think as well of her acting in this movie overall as some, but in this sequence, it is amazing. Like, everything that is happening to this character is happening on her face while she's singing. It's happening in the song. It's happening to all of us. It's really, like, if this is the only reason that she got the nomination, then I'm okay with it. Um, I, it's an amazing scene. It's it's really an amazing scene. And there is something about, like, you know, it's been the fashion or it was the fashion at one time to be like, so Judy Dench comes and says four lines and takes home a Best Supporting right. Actress Oscar. And it's like, well, okay, but, you know, she she fits a lot in, usually. Judy yeah. Dench, yeah. Like, I think there is something to be said for, like, is the total breadth of this performance flawless at every second? No. But if, like, this is a lot of amazing narrative happening at the same time. It's not just singing a song. It's like, it's getting a lot across. And I also, I think this is maybe before the movie has made it explicit that he is borrowing a voice. Um, What the movie doesn't exactly say is that the voice he's borrowing is not Sam Elliott. It's bad Blake. Like, yeah, they're all yeah. borrowing Bad Blake and that movie. Don't get me started. Although I did love that song. <laughs> yeah, it was a great song. And um, and honestly, Colin Farrell in a ponytail and chaps. I didn't hate that. <laughs> all of all of the and and Bad Blake is also heavily indebted to 
uh, Robert Duvall's character in Tender Mercies. Yes. Like, who all like, were probably all doing an homage to Chris Christopherson and Chris Star Wars. Quite together. frankly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or in Heaven's Gate, Teehee, just kidding. No one's ever doing an homage <laughs> to that. Uh, her her voice here is like, it, it is so intensely her and real. And the moments when it's not, when the timbre is not all that clear, like she hasn't been, um, they didn't like subtract some of the scratch from her the way I think mm. they do in post-production. I mean, yeah, I don't know that much about Gaga and I'm not like a huge fan who knows all her songs, but I feel generally fondly towards her and admiring of her and when she is like you hear in this section that she's beginning to gather herself to jump and even the gathering of the like pre yeah belting portion is so powerful that it feels uh emotionally like when a an elevator begins to go up really quickly and you're like, Ooh, yeah. you're just sort of like all pushed d- down to the floor um, yeah. by this, by this rise. And then she just fucking rips it open and it's amazing. It's yeah. really something um, to watch, but then you don't even have to watch it. Like watching it was instructive, I think, but yeah. I mean, that one scene is like everything that comes after it. Like I've seen the two previous stars were born and uh, everything that comes after it. Like you basically know there will be some little variations, but you basically know where yeah. this is going and what's going to happen. This is like an um, archetype now, like a Joseph Campbell story. It's like the eighth one. Um, but it's so well done that some of the things that come after it, like they don't actually exactly track with the person that she is in this part of the story, if that makes any sense. But it does. This yeah. shines such a bright light around it that you don't necessarily notice that until until the end when, you know, some of the ends are being tied up and she's like, I'm Allie Main, and you're like like I, I just feel that they had an opportunity based on this five minutes of movie yeah. that we just heard a snippet from to go somewhere different Forward. and stronger yeah. and less less indebted to the original. Yeah, less indebted and just to, like yeah. less indebted to this like predictable traditional idea of who has the power in this right. relationship. Anyway, who um, made the star? This yeah. is really a stunning piece of story across the board. And I hope that she wins everything for it because I like her and this is really good. This is doing something more, so much more than the sum of its parts, which already is a huge amount of work that's being done narratively. So I think it's great. Gaga for president. What I all. What I also love about this song is that structurally it is the movie. Yes. Yes. And Joe, you made a good point about Evergreen having really no structural bearing at all, uh, no structural relationship at all to the film. Yeah. This is a song yes. that starts with his voice. Yep. That then includes her voice in a muted way. And then when given the opportunity to use her voice, she then explodes into this Nova star yeah. that yes. obliterates him, us, everything and so the best that he can do is sort of limp back into a supporting role (laughs) at the end of the song and there is absolutely no fucking question by the end of the song that it is not actually a duet right it was a scattering of rose petals by bradley cooper on the ground to make way for her even the way she like pronounces certain words in her first verse when she says like I'm falling and you like you hear her pronounce that whole word and like uh, and it sounds a little reticent and a little nervous and a little sort of like first timer. And then by the time she like belts out the big sort of wail and then it's the, you know, I'm off the deep end and then it down keys into we're far from the shallow now that second time she says we're far from the shallow now where it goes lower and I'm just like, that's fucking, that is confidence. That is like holding the audience in the palm of her hand. And it reminded me, Mark, we saw 20 Feet from Stardom together, right? 
We did. That was the Oscar-winning documentary about back, backup singers. And so the title of that, they explain in the movie about how the 20 feet from where the background, the backup singers stand to where the, the lead singer stands is like the longest, it's the most longest and most insurmountable stretch for some people because it's the difference between being part of it, being, you know, part of the the wall of sound, so to speak, to being the one in front. And the fact that we see her sort of take those steps during the song and at this part of the movie is it's it's so powerful. It's so incredibly impactful. Yeah. It's both and barely someone... and completely controlled at the same time. Yeah. That's yeah. really hard to do. Anyway, sorry to interrupt Mark. Yeah, me too. No, but that's a really good point. Like that she and that's where we get to the idea of the acting that she's doing in this song because she is in control of her character's lack of control. Yeah. Yes. And I think that you're right. Do do we always have to give? Like, can a can a performance have a few brilliant moments and still merit an Oscar nomination? Absolutely. Yeah. If they are this indelible, and I feel like this one thing that this performance does is create one of the sort of defining moments of American cinema or maybe the world cinema in 2018, which is that little snippet of wordless sounds that she makes and as much as it's easy to turn them into a meme now the fact of the matter is that she did that she did moment that, of that song yeah. in such a way that we're gonna f- remember it and i agree with sarah like all prizes i mean i wouldn't actually give her the oscar for best actress in this year's race because i think that should go to melissa mccarthy it won't I do too. oh my god same for. and second would be um Olivia Coleman, sorry, God. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Same. The favorite. The the favorite would get my vote for best picture of the mm. year. Quite frankly, I fucking loved that movie. It's great. Um, and then Spike Lee for best director, but we're not here to talk about that. I mean, <laughs> kind of are, but we're also not. But I, I, I like Melissa McCarthy, Olivia Coleman giving consistent across the board exceptional performances. Lady Gaga giving a performance that is never less than good, right. but occasionally transcendent. And those yeah. moments of transcendence are so good that hell yes. I think this is the highest peak. I would agree. And here's another level of difficulty that I'm not sure we um, said aloud, but this is someone who has been extremely famous for a quite a long time. So for yeah. her to be able to put herself back at that elevator moment and bring yeah. us with her believably like the, there were some moments sort of after this and her like well you got the snl whatever like that that i was like mm, like i'm not necessarily buying this like tonally i'm yeah. not sure like once she has a well, crazy hair color again i was like oh yeah this isn't really this transition isn't reading well, but yeah yeah that's one of the reasons that the movie is i think I, lo- I really enjoyed the movie, but the fact that when Allie becomes a pop star, she's less interesting as a pop star than Lady Gaga, yeah. that is actually problematic. And also like, very close Lady- to Lady Gaga, but this like bloodless copy so that it-, it seems more different than it is. But in the beginning, I believe her. I believe who she is at the beginning. Yes. And versus absolutely. at the end, it was like, weirdly, I believe this less. Anyway. That scene where they're in the... Uh whatever the supermarket is when they go to get ice or the, the frozen oh, vegetables shit. for her hand after she punches the guy in the bar and the checkout, the woman at the checkout takes the surreptitious photo yeah. and sort of gets caught taking the photo and, and Jackson just goes, it's okay. And then as they're leaving and she just sort of looks back and she goes, it's really not. And I was like, I loved that. Like I, that like version of Allie, I love that sort of like firecracker. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And like that whole but like I, bit, which was sort of weird like it was only a two like the rule of threes was not applied but where she's like snarking on her boss for having a potty mouth <laughs> i just thought it was funny <laughs> yeah and then all her dad's friends like can we have a um, sequel about her dad and his friends yeah because i yeah, don't exactly understand great. what's going on but i don't need to i'm content and it's like yeah. a whole bunch of character actors who are just happy to be there and it was great yeah the unsung uh, one of the unsung facts about this movie is that it has, in a weird way, redeemed Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. although that like, is a saw... that is a, a kicked over pile of dirt you don't want to uncover again. Because I feel like if we bring Andrew Dice Clay out to the front during this particular 
era of things, we're probably not going to remember yeah. too many great things. No. But, you know, let's not let the less that we are asked to remember Hickory Dickory uh-huh. Doc, uh-huh. et cetera, et cetera, the <laughs> yeah. better. What's in the but bowl, also, bitch? Oh, my God. That came up effortlessly. <laughs> my brain is such a fucked up place. <laughs> Also, can we give props where it's due for a movie that has now allowed Shangela and Willem to be in a Best Picture nominee? Uh, Willem. Oh, in, my God. Willem gives the best line of the entire movie, which is when uh, when Jack is going to sing a song after hours at the club, and he's like, any requests? And Willem just goes, I don't care what you sing, just look at me when you do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Having the time of her life, she is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shangela, but, uh, too. Yeah. As someone who has been a fan of Lady Gaga's, uh, I dropped off during the art pop cheek to cheek eras and felt that Joanne was a disappointing album. But I really liked The Fame, The Fame Monster, and several songs on Born This Way. I found that not only this song, but that in fact this whole album is thrilling to me as a Lady Gaga fan because it's the first great album she's made since The Fame Monster. And it is so different from the album from the fame and the fame monster. Like the fame monster, I think is her best album from the first phase of her career. And now this is an exceptional album that launches the second phase of her career. In my mind, you may not agree with me. That's fine. But I have found that I love every single one of her songs on this album. I have listened to it so much and I am so impressed and excited by the stylistic range on this album to go from a song like Shallow to the soulful Alicia Keys-esque stomp of Look What I Found, which I think is a fucking great song. And to me, my number one song of all of 2018, my favorite song of the whole year is Is That All Right? Which I just think... Oh, that's a good one too. Oh, God. My favorite of the the album, probably even better than the Shallow, shallow, although within context, Shallow is my favorite. But... uh, Always remember us this way is yes. Oh, that's a great I one love too. That one. I mean, it's like Sarah, it's cheesy, you... but it it works. Like Ugh. she, it's it, it, quality it cheese. It's like it's her voice. Yeah. It's like her voice really sells it. Yeah, I don't. I like uh, Sarah. We should let the old ways die too. Oh yeah. Oh the, yes, which is written by Jason Isbell. Oh, that there it is. What if we were yeah, vampires? Just... Sniff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somewhat famously. Uh, the why did you do that to me? Why'd you come around here with an ass like that song? That's so sort of contentious in the movie. That was written by the great Diane Warren. So I have to shout. Yes, out. I really my wanted you to Diane. say that that was written by Amanda Isbell. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and Diane Warren specifically if in the New York. <laughs> Diane Warren in the New York Times specifically claimed credit for the line "Why'd you come around here with an ass like that?" And you know what, Diane, I sure. see you. I'll give that to you for sure. <laughs> Um, Sarah, did you um, have you had an opportunity to hear the song "Is That All Right" outside the narrow context it's used in the film? No. Let me just—I just want to thoroughly recommend it to you because it caught my ear in the film. But as a standalone song, it's incredible. It's just—it's it, such a raw, beautiful performance of a of a of a song with really specific, strange lyrics. I, I feel like it is the sound of a heart breaking but with the hope that it will be repaired i love it so so much excellent i will check that out um i forget were we were we like voting were we doing a star is born dome with this oh it almost seems it almost seems unnecessary yeah i don't (laughs) sorry aunt barbara but um Uh, i know and so the winner and the loser with zero votes (laughs) yeah oh only only e paul ellerman uh has voted for (laughs) evergreen i mean look it's a fine song but this i mean this performance in shallow is going to knock down almost all comers for the foreseeable future i think i so. walked out of that screening it's so funny because i saw it at the toronto film festival beginning of september and by then the trailer had come out and the trailer of course heavily featured the big sort of like wailing note at the uh in that song and then just before we had seen it at toronto they released shallow as a single so they that's essentially the entire performance from the movie and i remember thinking like well it's no there's no way it's going to have as big of an impact now we've seen so much of it we've seen it all and but you watch it within the context of the movie and it still like fully blows you away and i walked out of there i was like well that's one oscar that's sewn up like that's one oscar we know where it's going yeah which is to the song for that um 
I also want to say justice for for a lot of art pop and Joanne. Of I like a lot of those two albums, but I think Mark, you're right, and that like this feels the stuff that she's doing on A Star Is Born feels like an evolution forward. Yeah, and like a song like Ao, I love that song, but like this album just is. Oh, I think I just smacked the microphone really hard. <laughs> I was talking with my hands. But this song is such a cohesive. This album, I mean, is such a cohesive statement. Yeah, cohesive despite the fact that it has like fifty genres on it. Yeah, it yeah. still feels like yes. a cohesive statement. Yeah. Um, I I also want to just note because chart facts are why I breathe. Facts are facts, uh, America. If a star is born wins, which again I cannot imagine that it will not. It will be the first Oscar-winning song to also be a top ten hit since Frozen. Let it go, two thousand thirteen. That bitch. And if for some reason it is able to get enough traction uh, after it is inevitably performed on the Grammys and the Oscars to race back up the charts and go to number one, which is a long shot, but yeah. if it were to happen, the, it would be the first number one single to win an Oscar since Eminem's Lose Yourself in 2002. How high has it charted so far? It reached number five, number five. Uh, so far, which is still really, really good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, one can always dream. Yes. I think it can do it. I hope so. I'm excited to see Let's... it performed uh, on the Oscars. I have said for yeah, a for while sure. now, I think it should open the show. I think without a host, especially, I think that song opening the show would have been amazing. I think now that the movie, as I mentioned before, has lost a little bit of heat, it doesn't seem like a contender to win Best Picture anymore that I thought it was maybe a couple months ago. Um, seems like maybe they won't do it. I know they've, I've heard that they've reached out to Queen uh, to open the show, and that seems like it's maybe not going to happen. But certainly the heat is on Bohemian Rhapsody for several reasons, which we cannot no. get into here or else we'll be here all day. But um, mm. I'm excited to see it performed at the Oscars. With Me too. And and also now perhaps let's take a moment to pour out a cup for the other four nominees for best song this year. Not uh, all a of great them by bunch. very <laughs> But the but the artists behind them at least interesting. Uh Gillian Welch and David Rawlings who are great country singer-songwriters wrote a song from The Ballad of Buster Scruggs which I admit I still haven't seen. Uh Kendrick Lamar Pulitzer Prize winner. I do uh, love All the Stars. All the Stars is a really good song. His song, If It Wins, it was also a top 10 hit, yeah. so that would be uh, a thing there. There's a song from the new Mary Poppins movie, which, okay. And then <laughs> there's a song from the documentary RBG about Ruth Bader Ginsburg called I'll Fight, written by My Diane girl. Warren, yep. who is about to lose her uh, lose an Oscar for the 10th yep. time. <laughs> As oh. I said, if any of us comes into possession of a time machine, please take it back with me to 1996 Madonna will be fine. Not she didn't even win that Oscar. That was for Andrew Lloyd Webber for uh, the Evita song. Yeah, um, that was the year Diane should have won for um, Up Close and Personal. What was the song title? Shit. Because you loved because me. Because you loved me. That's the one she should have won for. History has gone awry since then. That's probably why Trump is president. Just it's saying, it's one of the all-time great terrible songs. It's yeah. so and it so fits the movie it's from, which is also kind of a terrible movie. And it's like, a Star watchable. Is Born, but on TV news. Yes. Oh, that's absolutely what God, it is. you're right. Did you read that book, Sarah? That because uh, that was the that up close and personal was written by Joan Didion and John Gregory Dunn, um, and they talked about that how they wanted to make it essentially a Star Is Born, but in the TV yes, news. Yes, I have read that book. Yeah. Well. I didn't know that, but that's well said. Oh, good. And well, we'll, we'll put that book. It's I bought that book for a bunch of people. I think maybe I, I read it, it on your you. recommendation. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll put that in the show notes. Um, and everyone, we hope that uh, we have helped you update your Oscar pool ballots in a in an instructive and uh, yes. useful way. Wait, I have to have one more fact. I'm sorry, I can't I help myself. Facts. Uh. Really, Diane Warren and Lady Gaga should both together have won an Oscar a couple of years yes. ago for the song Till It Happens to You from the movie The Hunting Ground, the documentary. But that was the year that they were ridiculously usurped by Sam Smith's terrible, terrible. James Bond song. Terrible. So oh, this is going to – this is also going to be a, 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 the, the writing of a wrong in that sense as well. Yes. And that – is all I have to say. I now have an appointment to go over some accounting and uh, some lawsuits with our attorney, <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Element. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'll be um, making a list of all the times we thought the correct song won, which was like maybe four times. Yeah. <laughs> and we could talk about those next year. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I loved, I loved being back uh, on the show. 
Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening. When I'm back to being me, I never make you hurt no one. I'm just happy you have my way. If you're such a thing as too much fun, this must be the price you pay. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.